I believe that the people in the pews, I know we don't have pews, but you get the idea. Most of us in these buildings on Sunday mornings are going to be the first ones to miss it. That we can hear the same stories. We're going to say the prayers and sing the songs and read the Bible and try to be good people. But when Christ is actually at work and moving in the world, we might be the first ones to miss it. You're listening to a message at Grace Church of Alma, a place where the curious, bored, and discouraged can journey together toward a full life with Jesus. Probably about the last six years, I've been fascinated by the church calendar. Um, For me, it's important for us to learn from the Christians who have gone before us, right? If we're on a path that has been walked before if we're not the first ones to be here, if we're not the first ones to, to kind of seek after God, and there's things to learn from people uh, who tried to uh, pursue God before us. And so for uh, close to over a thousand years, the church has had this thing called the church calendar. And it's a way that the majority of Christians on this planet try to order their life. Uh, the idea is that instead of our, uh, our years kind of moving around uh, vacation hours or the school district or, or work, but the idea is that our lives, our entire rhythms, would kind of move around these stories in the scriptures. And so the church calendar is built to take us into the most important stories and realities in the scriptures every single year. And it's, it's a pattern. It's, it's, it's on a three-year cycle. And so according to the church calendar, it is already a new year today. Okay, so there are actually um, some bishops and, and pastors and church leaders of uh, different groups who celebrated a new year yesterday. Who was popping the champagne last night for the new year? Anybody? Okay. All right. Uh, what about the grape juice? How about that? The non-fermented grape juice. Anybody? The Welches. Amen. Hallelujah. The real party. <laughs> the Welches party. So the idea is that we start the year with the story about the new beginnings. And so we start with the season called Advent. And Advent is a word which just means breaking through, right? The idea is that there is, there is something that is entering in, which is trying to kind of pierce into what is. And so Advent is a story that is about the past, but it's also about the present and the future. So the crazy thing about the story of Advent is it starts by taking us all the way back to the story of Israel. The reason that uh, in your Bibles that you have on your phones today, the reason that it has an Old Testament and a New is because there is a story which sets the stage for the next story. And what's weird for us is everything in the Scriptures, whether the Old Testament and the New, it's all older stories to us. It's not our present. But they both set the stage for what is going to be our experience. And so in Advent, we start with the story of Israel. We start with the people who have experienced what it is to be captive, to be controlled, to, be, to experience pain. And so the opening uh, experience of Advent is darkness. And so uh, if you notice, we have candles on the stage today. Now there are four candles of color, and there is one white candle here. Now depending on the church you're in, the, color, the, the candles will, will be all different colors. Uh, for us, we keep it simple. And so what happens is each of these, the colored candles represents each Sunday that leads up to the celebration of Christmas. And the idea is this, is that we start Advent with all of the candles off. We start Advent in the dark. 
And this reminds us, right? It, it reminds us of all of the creation stories, all of the times that God breaks in. What starts is always darkness. In Genesis, there was a vastness, there was a void, is the word used. There was darkness. And then God enters. The story of Israel, they are in, they are in Egypt. Captivity. They are being uh, enslaved. They are being uh, abused. They're being mistreated. They're being killed. And so the story goes, and then God comes in the form of a burning bush because there was darkness, and then God enters into the story. Light. Now what's crazy about the story of Christ is it starts in the same way. Now John starts in a beautiful way. If you notice, John starts with his own kind of take on creation narrative. He goes back to Genesis. He talks about in the beginning, the Logos, the Christos, the substance of God that's before all substances, we call it the Christ, before everything was, meaning when there was just darkness, God was. Light enters in. And then John goes to describe what this who this Christ is, who is this Logos, who is this essence of God. And it's hard for us to see it in the English, but if you, if, if you could see kind of what happens in the Greek here, what they're doing is they're separating Christ from God. And it says, and Christ was of God, meaning this Christ is part of who God was. But Christ was also apart from God. It's something different. It's God, but it's also something of its own self. And the Christ was in the beginning when there was darkness, then there was the Christ, and then there was God, and then these two, and then there was something new. And then it says, and all things came from the Christ. All things came out of the Logos. All things came out of the essence of God in Christ. And so everything takes birth, if you would, the analogy. Everything's birthed out of Christ. And so everything that we see here before this was darkness, meaning void, there was nothingness. And everything in this room, every atom, every molecule, every emotion, idea, everything in this room has an origin. Christ. Now, John takes a new turn. And everything before all of this was nothingness, but there was the Christ. And then everything that we know came out of Christ. But then something strange happens. But then everything that came from Christ, everything, it did not know Christ. Now, imagine this. Now, this is kind of a weird idea. I know, I know it's hard for us. But birthing is a, typically a feminine kind of a metaphor, right? Men, if I talk to you about birthing, do you relate well? Man, those, those, those pains, man, they really hurt. Men, anybody? Yeah, when the second hour of labor came, my goodness. Third trimester, my feet were really swollen. Amen, men? Feel it? No, okay. It's not a metaphor that, that, that we understand well, right? But what's going on in here, imagine if, if, if what you came from, if you did not know who that was, now, some of you have actually experienced this. Some of you actually do not know your parents, your mother, your father. Now, psychologists will tell us that this creates a very deep 
problem, a very deep experience of pain inside of a human. To not know where we come from. It's, a, it's one of the fundamental struggles that we have. Even if you have a mother and a father, you know them deeply. There's always a sense inside of us that's trying to discover who are we. And part of the ways that we answer that is by finding out where we come from. I'm from Arkansas, SEC country. <laughs> I was in Chicago last weekend. I was walking down the street. I noticed a man in a camo jacket. Thought to myself, the fact that this is the one guy standing out with camo, right, tells me I am not where I'm from anymore, right? We're not in Arkansas anymore, right? The one guy with camo walking up to and everyone's going, did you see that guy? Does he have a gun? <laughs> What's that guy hunting for? It's the city, boy. <laughs> I'm from Arkansas, right? I saw a picture online yesterday. There was someone at the Auburn-Alabama game with an Arkansas shirt on. Wow. Proud of their origins, are they? <laughs> you can just see the fans around them. Just, 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 it, it was pity, not contempt. You know what I'm saying? Oh, bless, you know. Scouting coaches. Scouting coaches, no. We wish. Bless their heart. Those, those Arkansas Razorbacks, they really try their hardest. Lord have mercy. But there is an experience of not knowing where we're from, which is it's profoundly difficult. Now, what's happening here, what John's doing is he's layering different kind of images and experiences. Now, it's one thing for us to not know who we are from, who our people are, right? Now, I've joked with people often that for me, I have a hard time identifying with any region. I've spent almost the same amount of time in the Midwest on the East Coast, and in the South. So I can walk into any of those rooms and, and understand the people I'm with. But I don't exactly sound like them. I don't exactly look like them. Because I have a little bit too much of each group, but not enough of any group. It's an odd feeling. So to not know who your tribe is, to not know who you're from, to not know like where your roots are, what is, what's home for me? What is home? And what's crazy with John is he's layering this thing. He's saying, okay, the first thing he's identifying is the story, the old story from the Old Testament, that Israel has always had this bad habit of forgetting who they are and whose they are, losing themselves, forgetting their story, right? Forgetting their roots. And so he's talking about how Israel themselves have lost connection, They've, they don't know who Christ is. They don't know who birthed them, where their home is. At the same time, he's taking it to a new layer, and he's saying, and then Christ came to his own, meaning Christ came into the very essence, into all of this stuff which, which has his, his fingerprints on it. Everything that, that is should know the one that made them, right? And, and this very odd thing happens, and it says in, and that Christ came into this cosmos, into this world He creates, and it did not know Him. Now, it's hard to, to connect to this, and, 
we all have very different experiences in life, but imagine something that you've poured yourself into and to walk into that space and to not be known. It's a hard thing to connect to. If you have a business which you've, you've built from the floor up and to walk in that place and like no one knows who you are. You own the place. Your name's on the building and you walk in and they say, hey, sir, can we help you? Madam, do you need anything? <laughs> uh, yes, this is mine. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Imagine walking into your, your parents' house, a place that, that you've poured so much of your life, and you walk in, your parents look at you and say, who? Uh, can we help you? Are you lost? If you have best friends or children, right? To walk up to, to children or to friendships that you've poured your life into and then for, for them to look at you like a stranger. Can you imagine that experience? And so it says that Christ comes into His own and He is not known. He's a foreigner to them. Now, there are so many different layers to this story. But it's important for us to understand that the story starts in darkness. It starts in silence. It starts in kind of a void. Right? Now, even though um, Israel isn't in the same experiences that they were in Egypt, they're still in suffering, they're still lost, and the biggest thing is they're still in the dark. They are still searching for hope and for answers. So our story takes us right to this spot. Now, before we move back into the story, I want to talk to you a little about music and sound. Do I have any people who love music in the house? Just, just hands. That's all we need. Oh, okay. Amen. You're in the right place this morning then. Now, have you ever listened to music that doesn't have a rhythm before? Anybody? Now, um, I'll break this out here in a few weeks. I'm not going to break it out today. But I have some jazz music that I'm going to play for you guys, right? Some, some easy listening jazz. You'll all be like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's great. And then I will show you some experimental jazz. And you will find out how your brain reacts when a rhythm is disrupted, right? There's something about rhythm, right? Rhythm is a strong pattern of movement, particularly of objects or of sounds. It's a pattern. There's a structure to it. There's a direction to it. There's a movement to it, right? It's going in a certain direction. It's, there's a consistency to it. Now, what's interesting about sounds and about rhythms is that we only pick up certain sounds and rhythms. Again, I'm, I'm thrilled to open this up in the next few weeks. But I'll just say this. As far as animals go, they've only found two species of animals that are able to pick up on very basic rhythms. Super simple. If they add anything on top of this, if they begin to change tones, pitches, if they begin to layer on melodies and rhythms, the animals are incapable of catching it. It can be played around them. It can be played to them. It can be, they can repeat exposure to it constantly. And the animals are completely oblivious to it. They miss it. But there's something about these humans. There's something that happens in this area of our bodies which enables us to pick up patterns. We notice structures and consistencies in sounds and tones. And so what's so funny about this is that even we have limitations on what we're able to notice, patterns we're able to notice. If you take a very seasoned musician 
there are patterns and tones that they will pick up that you will not because they have learned how to, how to be sensitive to them. They've almost trained their brain how to process them. Now, do we have that, that uh, track that I sent you guys? All right. Now, okay. I want you guys to brace yourself. The human mind responds very differently to music. So if you have this, this panic come over you, that's okay. Just stay in your seats. It's going to be safe, I promise. So what we're going to do, we're going to play a sound sweep of ranges of sound. It's what you would do if you're trying to tune in uh, an audio system. We're going to start with extremely low bass notes. What you will notice is this. First of all, you'll notice that with the lower end notes, with the bass notes, you will feel them before you will hear them. The subs will actually begin to rumble at a certain pitch, and you will not be able to comprehend it with your ears, but your body is going to feel it. And then what you're going to notice is as it shifts to the higher end pitches, that you are going to be aware that there are pitches which you cannot hear. It's going to sound like screeching to you. Do not run. Your body is going to panic. It's going to be terrific. Your brain is going to register these unknown sounds as danger, and you're going to want to run. But don't. Just stay here. It's only going to last about 40 seconds. Can you handle 40 seconds? If you guys want to go ahead and play that, make sure it's turned up a little bit. See. Low frequency response test. This first track tests your headphones bass extension. Play back the track until you start hearing a low pitched tone as it increases in He has a good voice. Do you like that? My voice will tell you which frequency your headphones have reached. Good headphones should reproduce frequencies as low as 20 hertz, the lowest limit of the human hearing. And here comes the test. 10 hertz. 20. you didn't hear anything, <laughs> if you notice the intro, if you do not hear these things, it might not be the headphones. It might be your hearing. 
hearing does decrease with age. <laughs> now, if, you, if you're paying attention, if you notice his voice, right, he, he would say the hurts. There were multiple ranges where he would tell you, this hurts is playing, and you could not hear a thing. But did you notice how your body felt? If, now, if you're being sensitive, most of you should have felt a fight or flight going on. You either wanted to get up and just walk out of the room, or you sort of like, what's going on, right? It should have made your body react to each different pitch. It's fascinating, is it not? With sounds, you will feel them. Your body will react to them before you hear them. It's a reality I want you to, to, to kind of wake up to this morning. There are things which are affecting you, which you are aware of in a deeper awareness. There are ways that you can be aware of a thing. Say like your body is reacting to a high-pitched tone or to a low-pitched tone, and your body is aware of it. Your body is reacting because your body feels it, but it's not being processed in the way that you might think. See, with sounds, with rhythms, with music, we will always feel them before we hear them. This is something I want you guys to kind of sit on today. Here's the, the crux of this morning. There are things that God is at work doing around us that there are parts of you that are aware of it and there are parts of you which are not aware of it. It's very important for you to know. So one of the things I notice sometimes in, in certain uh, environments, so like say like a classroom. I used to go to UFIS way back in the day. It was still, it was still West Ark when I was there, I believe. And in the classrooms, they had this really old lighting back then. It's before they got investors. It's back when it was really a broke-down school, okay? It was, it was bad back then, right? And they had this, we had this one classroom, and it had these, like, fluorescent bulbs from, you know, probably like the 70s or 60s. And you would sit in this classroom, and, and like, you would notice everyone would be very uncomfortable. Everyone would have their hoodies on, and they would just be fidgeting the whole time in class. And, like, you'd notice that the class just couldn't pay attention. You always have this in a classroom, Right? But in this room, I noticed it with more people than normal. And so this one day, I began to try to pay attention. What, what's causing everyone to be so uncomfortable? It's a great teacher. The content's pretty easy. I'm not sure what's causing the issue. And I began to, to pay attention a little bit to the lights above me. And I noticed that if I was really quiet and I paid attention, the lights are putting off a very high-pitched hum to them. Similar to what we just listened to, Right? And it was causing everyone in the room to feel uneasy. <sighs> right? Ever watch a horror film before? It's the same notes they use in all of the movies because they know that these things create a bodily reaction. Who's ever heard the Jaws theme song? Okay. Right? <laughs> there are things that we are aware of that we might not be aware of mentally. And it's a very important thing. So here at Grace, we're always teaching you guys that human beings have three different parts, right? We are minds, we are bodies, we have emotions and feelings, and we have souls. And, and in this, we have to learn to connect to God in all three ways. And one of these things is learning to connect to God in ways that are beyond just ideas in our head. 
And so one of the things that is a constant theme in the Scriptures is that God is always at work doing things. He's always doing something. The question is, is anyone aware that God is doing things? So in chapter 1 of John, there's a lot of things going on. It's a very loaded passage, but there's one thing I want you to see here. So you have a people who has for generations been waiting for one thing. They're on the lookout for one thing. They are anticipating one thing. Their lives are devoted to one thing specifically. And what's heartbreaking about chapter 1 is this. If you are a student of the Scriptures and you've read all of the Old Testament, you understand everything these people have been through. You understand the sacrifice, the loss, the pain, the death, everything they've been through. And then the saddest reality is this. After everything that they've been through, when that one thing that they've been hoping for, that one thing that got them through the hardest experiences of their lives, that one hope they had, that one thing that they've been waiting to find and to experience and to have their entire lives, when it finally comes, they miss it. And when Christ came to what was His own, it did not know Him. I get asked a lot, I'm like, why do you pastor? I get that question. I'm not sure if that's a good question or a bad question to get, right? So why do you pastor? Because there are a lot of great churches and a lot of great pastors, even in this area, and I get this question all the time. Here's why I pastor. Because I believe that the people in the pews, I know we don't have pews, but you get the idea. Most of us in these buildings on Sunday mornings are going to be the first ones to miss it. That we can hear the same stories. We're going to say the prayers and sing the songs and read the Bible and try to be good people. But when Christ is actually at work and moving in the world, we might be the first ones to miss it. And unfortunately, if you want to use the Scriptures as our example, the Scriptures would encourage that. They would say, you know what, you're right. You might be the first ones to miss it. The Gentiles, the ones who have never even put an hour or a day into your religion, the tax collectors and prostitutes and lepers who you wouldn't even allow on your doors, the enemies at the gates who have oppressed you and beat you, all of them are going to notice. The sheep and the donkeys, all of them are going to notice. All of the rest of the world is going to be the first to notice for this one reason. Because they don't assume they know what they're waiting for. The hardest thing that Israel had to overcome with Jesus is that they already had a picture of how God was going to enter the world. They already knew, they thought they knew, exactly what God was going to do, how God was going to fix everything. And they were looking in that one space. I tried to teach myself, just in everyday life, how to just enjoy things that I otherwise would not think are enjoyable. Uh, how about this? Going to the doctor's office. Anybody? Okay. This morning, I spent my morning with Rachel. She got hurt this morning, so her wrist is probably out of socket. So she's going to the hospital right now. So that's what, how I spent my morning. And when you go to a doctor's office around Christmas time, there's one sound which, you, which your mind and body is going to register coffee. 
When you begin to hear the coughing in the room, you're going to take your sweater and you're going to do this number. You're going to scoot away from the sick kids and you're going to keep your kid away from their kids because, you know, they're sweet. We love them. But even in those moments, I try to tell myself there might be something you're missing in this room. Is there something to see? Because, see, we all have this ability to train ourselves on what the good stuff is in the room, right? What the good experience is going to be. If I tell you that you've just won a vacation to pick your place, whatever, right? The Bahamas. Really? Okay. Uh, Branson. I'll go to Bahamas, you go to Branson. Deal? Got it. Okay. <laughs> you all already have an idea of like what the fun stuff's going to be. Oh, you know, we're going to go. I'm the worst person to talk about Branson. What do you do at Branson? Anybody? <laughs> Silver Dollar City. That's all I got. The shows, they're going to be great. Jet skis, it's, it's kind of cold for jet skis. Um, jet skis, anybody else? <laughs> you don't got to go to Branson for that, brother. But, but uh, Krispy Kreme, right? Okay. And so you are going to get yourself built up in these moments to enjoy these things. But here's the truth, right? The best parts of, <laughs> of your vacation... The odds are, if I had to gamble, if I had to bet, are going to be in different spaces than those. The best parts are going to be in the drive up there when you have that one conversation or that one fight that just had to happen. And it wasn't fun, but when you got it done, all of a sudden there was that connection again, right? The best parts, if you, if you take kids up there, which that's just, I have no idea why you do that, but... The best parts with the kids are not going to be the actual rides and when they're doing the stuff. The best parts are going to be probably at the, at the hotel when they're freaking out, losing their mind because they have sugar and they're out of routine and they're tired and you're going to be about to yell at them and all of a sudden the one kid says something crazy out of his mind and makes you laugh. And you're about to spank them and you start laughing, you hug them and you all just end up having a great moment. These, these are the good stuff. Like the, I've trained myself that I don't know what's good and what's not. I, I can't predict where those gold moments are going to pop up. I used to know exactly where Christ was going to pop up. I used to know exactly the right, it had to be the right speaker. It had to be the right conference or the right church, the right worship songs, the right verses, the right sermons. And I knew exactly where God was going to show up. The problem with that was, I've come to learn now how much I've been missing of Christ my entire life because I thought I knew where Christ was going to pop up. I thought I knew exactly where it was going to happen. I thought I knew where all the, the juice was going to be at, right? The life was going to be. And now I've come to realize that the good stuff, the best moments, are in all the in-between spaces. That's where the best stuff is. My encounters with Christ, the things that have just really just uh, touched me in the deepest ways, the things that have transformed me, have been in all of these different places I could never have experienced. I could never have expected. These are the places where I've been transformed now. <laughs> Standing on top of some guy's roof and painting his house out in the middle of Oklahoma, and I'm thinking to myself, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. Why am I in the middle of nowhere painting someone's house? This is stupid. <laughs> and then God shows up, right? You just have this, this moment, right? Uh, I was in a coffee shop on, on uh, Tuesday. I just had a great meeting with uh, Pastor Zach. I thought that that's where all the life was going to be. I thought the high point was gone. He walked out, and, and so now I'm just doing the boring stuff. I'm working on my to-do list. 
And this woman across the, the way from me, she asked me, hey, what are you writing? And all of a sudden, Christ shows up. This is the way that things work with Christ. The one who is in all, through all, created all, what happens is we begin to realize that we don't know what God's going to do. We can't predict God. We don't exactly know where He's going to show up. And we begin to live our lives with sensitivity, with expectation. What's powerful about the season of Advent, it's not that all of the magical stuff happens around Christmas. It's not about that, right? It's not that life gets more beautiful because it's Christmas time and God just you know, puts a little bit more of His presence around us. We take four weeks out of the year to think about the magical aspect of this season, to think about what God did and about the stories and to immerse ourselves in carols and gift giving and fellowship with each other and singing and, and parties. And we immerse ourselves and it makes us so aware in the moments. And the whole reason that we do these things is not because the good stuff is at Advent or at Christmas time or whatever. It's because that is to remind us that the good stuff is all around us. Every single moment, every single day, every location, every person, every environment, that is where Christ is breaking through. That's where Christ is present. The drive to school when we're just trying to get them chopped off and, you know, at work when we're just trying to get a deadline met, when we're about to have confrontation with someone and we just think it's going to go the worst way possible, these are the spaces where Christ is present if we would just be sensitive. And what's so powerful about this is that there are parts of us which are sensitive to this. There are parts of us which do know that Christ is everywhere surrounding us at work and, and moving and speaking. And so, from Genesis, we hear this, this story that all things were created with a sound, a rhythm, a melody almost, that all of creation was spoken into existence. And in Revelation, we hear that this song, this sound has never stopped. We, we even get this analogy, Revelation, that all of those who end up being saved or included or who notice what God is doing are those who hear the sound of heaven, the song of heaven. We need to learn to be sensitive. Because we will always sense or feel what God is doing before we ever put things together up here. Before we ever figure it out. Before we ever hear it, if you would. Before we ever see it, there's a sensing in the ground. It's almost like an earthquake, right? There's always a pre-tremor that comes first. It's a subtle shaking. It's a subtle movement of the ground. And it always comes before the big movement. And the goal for us as people who desire to encounter Christ in everything is that we would be the people who would notice the first shuddering, the first movements of God in a room, in a conversation. I'm sitting in the coffee shop and I've been training myself for years to get better at this. I'm still terrible sometimes. And the moment that that she asked me what I was writing, I sensed it. Ah, this isn't just going to be a conversation. 
This is going to be the good stuff. So I put the pin down, put my attention on her, and I engaged the conversation. Oh, and it was the good stuff. But if you put me in that same situation seven years ago, hey, what are you writing? It's my to-do list. Thank you. <laughs> I've got stuff to do. I'm a pastor. <laughs> I've got people to meet with and sermons to write, and you just, you know, bye-bye, you know. Because all the juice happens, all the good stuff happens here, not the coffee shop. We need to be people who feel it, who are sensitive to it. The reality is this. God is breaking through all around you every second of your life. The church calendar calls it ordinary time, but it's kind of a trick on words. There's no such thing as ordinary anymore. God is at work entering into every space, every relationship, every conversation. The only question is, are we going to sense it? Are we aware of it? Or are we distracted? And the world needs people who are aware of it, who are sensitive to it. I've probably missed, who knows, last week, I probably missed 10 of those golden moments when Christ is present. But there's one I didn't miss. And I'm so glad I didn't miss it. And the only reason I didn't miss it was because I was looking for it. I was expecting it. Training myself to know that God is always moving. Would you guys stay with me? One of the, the key parts of this, of this reality of being able to feel and to sense God moving, it's almost like the subtle tremors before an earthquake, right? Is it, it has to do with your imagination. Training yourself to imagine more possibilities than what you think, right? Like with the Branson trip, right? I know the, the high point's going to be at the Krispy Kreme, man. It's going to be a high at that moment, right? You know? but training yourself to imagine more possibilities into the ordinary spaces, right? What's going to happen on the drive there? What's going to happen at the gas station? You know what? I could find the best donut in the world at a gas station on the way to Krispy Kreme if I'm looking for it, right? You have no idea the things that we're missing because our, our heads are down, our eyes are closed, we're insensitive. The way that uh, Jesus puts it when he teaches, they who have ears, let them hear. Anyone who is ready to be sensitive, anyone who has the imagination to believe that something extraordinary could happen in an ordinary space, they'll find it. He says it in a different way. Anyone who seeks will find. Anyone who knocks, the door will be open. I hope you see this. There's an invitation of God to every one of you. The world could be so much more than you think it'd be if you would just take the invitation. Just be sensitive. Just go through your day a little bit slower. Pause a little bit longer. Believe that an ordinary moment might be more than just an ordinary moment. You never know what each moment could have. Because as Christians, we believe that we live in a world where Christ is breaking in. Advent. Stepping into every ordinary space, every dark space. Father, we just come to you this morning. Well, we pray that we would be sensitive. That we'd be people who feel and sense before we've made sense of it. Before we've figured out what you're up to or what you're going to do. Or 
where you're going to do it, how you're going to use us or how you're not going to use us. How you speak and how you don't speak to us. In our friendships and at work and with our children, with our spouses, with our friends, that we would be sensitive. That we would expect you to move in ways that you haven't moved before. Expect you to do things you haven't done before. That we would be people who live our lives with eyes wide open. So I just want to invite the, uh, the prayer team to come on down. And what we're going to do is, as I close, we're just going to, if anyone needs prayer for anything. One of the things that we do here is we always have, there's two ways that we have, if you would, on ramps to connecting to God every Sunday. We have the table, communion, and we have prayer. What's fascinating about these two things is they both take imagination to believe that God can meet you there. This man is amazing, right? Amazing man of God. But he's, he's a man, though. He's human. Just like me. Just like you. It takes imagination to believe that God is going to use an ordinary person to do something outside of the ordinary. Well, you know, if I go tell my problem, what's going to happen, you know? How's it going to fix anything? If I come down here and I eat some bread and, you know, have some grape juice, that's not even the good grape juice, you know? How's that going to fix my day? Bread, I could just go get a Krispy Kreme, you know? You know? What's the point? It takes imagination, sensitivity. So I encourage you today, I think there is a few people today who really need a touch from God today. And I encourage you, try it. Risk it. What if God does show up through an ordinary person in a way that's not ordinary? Father, we just pray for everyone today, specifically those who do need an experience with you today, who just feel like there's something missing and they need, they need something and they don't even know what it is. We pray, Lord, that they would just risk it today. They'd, they'd give it a try. Father, we just pray over every area of our lives. Father, every relationship, every workspace that we go into. Father, we pray that we would be people who are sensitive. Use us this week, Lord. That you'd wake us up in spaces that we're normally sleepwalking. Use us. Speak through us. That we would be a people who are fully awake to God. In Jesus' name.